All right. Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers Prime Podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. Looking at life through the eyes of a tired hub, eating seeds is a pastime activity. The toxicity in our city, in our city. I'm David. And as you can guess from the, uh, was it AMVs? From, <laughs> yes, yeah. anime music yeah. video. As you guess from our AMV-infused intro, this episode is Toxicity. So... Did I? I feel like I might have brought this up back when we were actually doing Beast Machines. Uh, it's probably primarily because this song came out and was popular in 2001, uh, shortly after Beast Machines. Um, well, when Beast Machines would have been wrapping up. Slash I think the album was actually in 2002. Um, the, the album Toxicity by System of Down, of course. Yeah, it was in the uh, beginning of 2002. The beginning of 2002. It's... The 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 mm. time when I was living in that one place I was living at that time, uh, <laughs> which was 2001, 2002. The point being that this song really, really, really reminds me of Beast Machine's Megatron. Hmm. Yes. That might be why I like the... Opt- well, um, I think I got into System of Down because I knew a guy who on the college campus, on the connected network system, was making... AMVs and putting them on there and I would download them and quite a few of them were, well, half of them were like Evangelion videos with Linkin Park music. But some yes. of the other things were like, you had a Chop Suey video with, um... Oh, I forget what even was in it. It was probably also Evangelion. He liked Evangelion. <laughs> <laughs> it's all just Evangelion. There's no. nothing more early 2000s than AMVs of Evangelion. I mean, I, I think we can all agree that they were definitely the best new metal band. Yeah. System of Down, yes. Because, well, you had your Linkin Parks and it was okay, but they, every album of theirs was kind of the same album. But when you got to Megatron's whole thing by Beast Machines where he was just like, free will and peace are not compatible concepts, I was like, how do you own Disorder? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, since I'm a doubt, like, um, Serge Tangian's lyrics, his poetry is kind of scattershot and Dadaist, I guess, for some weird thing. They're random, but they're fun. But, well, but they're also allusions to Armenian genocide and sex and various other things. But then there's wacky stuff by him talking about Kumbuncha mushroom people. Like, the fuck? <laughs> Awesome, dude. Also, his name is Serge Tankian. Yeah, that's a pretty good name. I mean, that uh, is like one of the best names. Isn't ever. that a character in Overwatch? Um, <laughs> wow, that really should be. Uh, is there a Surge in that game? I don't play that game. It seems like a game that would have a guy named Surge in it. Yeah. Spelled Not like yet. either the actual name or, or the, the soda. Drink. Yeah, the, the soda that, well, Shit, I was drinking a lot of Surge at the same time as I was watching all the AMVs. <laughs> wow, God. Oh, I'm back in college. What the fuck? Uh, um, this episode. Yeah, so this uh, first episode. Also, originally. I really wanted to do a, a, uh, an AMV of, uh, of the anime Chobits to that Evanescence song. Alternately, a Transformers Armada one to that Evanescence <laughs> song. Like, 
The the can't wake up song? What? Yes. Um Wake yeah. Me Up. <laughs> I can imagine Look, that Armada little, um... should have been so much better than it was. Can't wake up. If it was I had written Armada, great, but it was pretty good. It would have been more yeah, like it could have that been, song. It could have been far better. Anyway, this first aired May 26, 2012, written by our old pal Stephen Melching. Wrote a bunch of Beast Machines, uh, has written several episodes of Transformers Prime, and will go on to write several several episodes of Robots in Disguise. Ooh. They could really, they need to bring some of these people into this new Netflix series, and they probably won't, because, uh, you know, well, like, the head well, run, yeah, like, showrunner is terrible. Oh, yeah. I'm worried about it, but at least one of the writers is one of the guys who created Megas XLR, so we're going to at least get one fun episode in there. All right. Needs more Steve Melching. I don't know about the rest of the show. And, uh, hey, just as we were talking about Beast Wars in the last episode, yeah. uh, here's our old pal David Kay. Yay! Yay! Oh, I didn't even, I, I didn't notice that was David Kay, and now I feel like a bad person. He's pretty David Kay. Which no, reminds he's... me, as a, a random aside, which I guess is fine because this episode only has so much meat on its bones. Uh, there is a, a radio station in the DC metro area, which is like owned by some big corporate entity. And I swear all of their like pre-recorded announcement stuff is David K. I will have to make well, they could very well some be. of you yeah. listen to it at some point because it's just like an 80s hit station. So it's fairly inoffensive. So you can listen to this and confirm or deny if this is David K. <laughs> no, I... And you say this sounds really David Kay, but to me, it kind of sounded like David Kay doing Scott McNeil. It is a little Scott McNeil. Yeah. Yeah, like, if, I can if see Scott that. McNeil was sick one day and they needed somebody to play Dinobot, yeah. and David Kay was the only one there, it's kind of what David Kay Dinobot would sound like. Yeah. Because anyway, the, everybody, you know, all the other Decepticons are busy, so Megatron needs a fourth group of guys. So he goes <laughs> to the Insecticon Hive that he is now the leader of. Yes. And he says, hey, I need, I need the, I need the best Insecticon. Who you got? Who is the best among you? So again, like I was saying last episode, this whole little event thing where everybody's doing stuff at the same time lets you get characters who don't often get out of the base much so yay now we get some insecticons we get autonomous yeah. insecticons yes and this guy is hard shell and we get talking insecticons yes and to distinguish him he sort of got like a like a claw mark on him except i think it's paint well yeah like the one on his face might be a claw mark but he's got that same like three wolverine slash pattern all over him like in yellow accents it looks like a color pattern that, like, a predator would have. Yeah. Kinda, like, not um, like an animal carnivore, but like the alien predator. Yeah, um... <laughs> shit, it actually did remind me of something, but I can't remember. Like, like in a movie where you've got, like, three predators, yeah. one of them would have this, so you know he's the head predator. Or, yeah. editor. <laughs> no. Uh, 
That's definitely what they call the, the head predator. <laughs> no, no Probably. one calls them that. <laughs> I bet somebody has in at least one of the predator movies with multiple predators. <laughs> no, I reject this. And then once you've killed one, he's like, hey, you, look, look at this guy. He was a predator and now he's dead at her. <laughs> They're no. not gonna fucking do that. Well, maybe this most recent one, which like <laughs> sounded kind of hacky, did that. But yes, it did. It's too late. I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, the, a hard shell takes three other insecticons, and they are gonna go find this fourth relic. Which seems like okay, Megatron. You have an entire giant, like I guess, empty auditorium that was on your ship or some shit, full of insecticons. You're not sending any of them as back. Well, okay, you did send knockout with one, but you, you have a limitless supply, seemingly. Like send more of them out than four on this one mission. Uh, maybe not using your resources. I mean, maybe properly. I mean, I I can't think of any reasons that are not just me trying to come up with a no prize explanation. So I mean, maybe <laughs> well, no they're like, like maybe their transportation. Power is limited. Maybe he doesn't want too many of them going off on their own because they might get ideas about overthrowing him. Well, that's I don't the know. thing. Like, they're going to get slaughtered by Autobots anyway. That's what happens to the Viacons all the time. The Insecticons Look, are just, I'm just a little bit bigger and tougher, but they're still going to get slaughtered. I'm just disappointed that Hardshell does not at any point refer to Megatron as my queen. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of would have been nice. <laughs> so I mean, unlike Arachnid these... was their queen before, yeah. so yeah. And it would be especially amusing if it was David Kay saying this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, Beast Wars Megatron would be a lot more tolerant of that than Frank Welker Megatron. Yeah, Frank Welker yeah. doesn't put up with shit. He he will not accept your misgendering insecticons. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no. Alternately, he might just not care at all. Also possible. He will well, accept your recognition of his authority regardless of any gender inherent in the terminology I mean, you, you're using. You never know exactly how hopped up on devil blood he's going to be on any particular day. <laughs> That's entirely yeah. true. Since apparently he has days, he thinks it's a good time to just shove it into the ship. Yes. Uh, anyway, so, so anyway, Bulkhead, he he is the odd man out. Everybody else has been sent on a mission, so he's the one guy who's going to have to deal with this one. And they're headed to the equator, and specifically a volcanic area of the equator. Wait, but he got I, blown I up I at the end of the last episode, that's... but of course these are all happening at the same time, which is kind of confusing and the overlapping. It's nice. a little Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah. A little is. Pulp Fiction-y. I like that Bulkhead is seen as being able to take care of himself in a way that, for instance, neither Ratchet nor Wheeljack are. Yes. Yeah. Although also, he's, he's got. RC could have totally gotten one of these by herself. Yes. But uh, no, he is. Uh, but he's got. Uh, he's gonna have some help from uh, from his old buddy, the man in the chair. Uh, Agent yes. Fowler. Yay! Well, after Fowler Who? wakes up, like, Fowler's still half unconscious at the very beginning and says, I can has cheeseburger! But then, like, yes. yes. 
Two shots later, he's getting up groggily and wandering down to get to the computer. Yes, and he says he needs uh, he needs coffee. And my question: Is there a coffee machine on this base? I I also had that question uh, initially. Mm-hmm. I considered that maybe I mean. If I was going to be working as a government agent with a bunch of alien robots, I would absolutely, like, buy a cheap Mr. Coffee and set it up in their base. Uh, alternately, maybe Miko's drinking it. That is my... my I, I, I'm How old are you generally when you start drinking coffee? Because I don't touch the stuff myself. I don't think it matters. Um, I think she is chugging shot. straight espresso. It's not really controlled stuff. Well, she's Japanese. I don't know if they do coffee as much in Japanese. They do lattes. Yeah. What is, what is, what is, is, is coffee? I mean, I know it's, I'm sure it's a thing in Japan, but I'm not sure what social context it has. I mean, I will say, again, we, we get into a thing that I was actually kind of discussing out, outside of, uh, in the pre-show about, uh, working at Starbucks and how they have this, like, a big aspect of their success is basically making coffee not coffee, so it's more palatable to a larger number of people. And I see people buying... Okay, I do live out in the sticks, so... I see people buying their, like, carload of eight-year-olds coffee frappuccino... Like, caramel frappuccinos that have coffee in them, and it's like, A, do you realize that that has coffee in it? And B, do you realize that it's got so much sugar in it? Uh, but, uh, so there's that sort of, like, commercially in the U.S., it's been made into something that's a lot more palatable, palatable to, like, a teenage level. Responsible parents should definitely not be letting anyone younger than teenage have it, but that doesn't mean that everyone is a responsible parent. Uh, I personally didn't start drinking it until late teens and even then i tended to be more of a tea person for a long time uh i personally like to say that that good coffee should taste like bitterness and self-loathing so that's definitely something that you don't really build up properly until later in life uh but uh yeah i would say that i would consider miko to be too young for a responsibly parented child but nonetheless, that girl drinks straight espresso shots. Although, actually, my guess is she's drinking like one of those beverages that's like basically a melted chocolate bar with a couple shots of espresso in it. Yeah, okay. I guess. Time for Japan report and a quick Google. And of course, okay. oh shit, it's, it's obvious. Um, you've probably seen ridiculous ads for like Arnold Schwarzenegger hawking boss coffees. Oh, right. Coffee in cans that come in vending machines that are available everywhere. And apparently, yeah, coffee is just as popular in Japan as it is everywhere else, if not more so. And, of course, I've seen, like, a couple anime that have coffee houses that are part of the main cast. And, of course, there's latte art where you have all the foam on top and you shape it to things like Totoro or a little weird um corgi and you shake the bowl and it shakes its butt <laughs> and drawing various art in the tops of them so yeah it, it, it's very much a thing that that's taken to ridiculous extremes okay, yeah. right i i was also thinking as far as you know miko specifically that i know that canned coffee is more of a thing over there uh yeah. as as i'm familiar with from ucc coffee the official coffee of nerve 
uh, <laughs> which had some very questionable product placement in at least like the Evangelion movies. So it's like, it's a good thing after the apocalypse, someone is still stocking their canned coffee. Uh, also, it's pretty good stuff. Uh, you can sometimes get it at World Market, uh, along with Ramune. Uh, but uh, that doesn't mean, I mean, we we sell beer in cans over here, and that doesn't mean that it's something that kids can go out and buy. But I still stand, regardless of any cultural or any other implications, I still stand by my assertion that Miko drinks straight espresso <laughs> shots. Yeah, she's drinking something ridiculous. Jack seems like like maybe one cream, one sugar kind of guy, and Raph is definitely too young to be drinking coffee. <laughs> yes. Well, no, if anything, Raph is probably the one who started drinking it first. Look at the boy. It stunted his growth. <laughs> I'm thinking that's that's a mountain. He is a Mountain Dew kid. Yeah. Yeah. And like yeah. maybe one well, of those he's... special Mountain Dews, like the red one. Yes, he gets like whatever the special gamer tie-in yes. do of the year is. Coffee. I I used to drink coffee in college to get up in the morning, and I don't drink it anymore because I never liked coffee. I do not care. I'm a, I'm a tea man myself. Yeah, I I would have to put too much milk in it, so it wasn't really coffee anymore, and too much sugar. I'm a I'm a real Mister Tea. Tea is better. I stick honey in it. It's way better. It, it always amuses me at, at work at Starbucks because normally the, uh, the management has the sense to put me at the coffee maker, not talking to people. Uh, but when they do have me talking to people and people like ask me, I'm like, I have never gone into a restaurant and been like, what do you think is good? I don't care what they think is good. Why are you asking me what I think is good? You know what I think is good? I came in today and ordered two shots of espresso. I gave them 30 seconds to cool down and then I chugged them. That's what I think is good. <laughs> I also have like chronic fatigue issues. So for me, honestly, coffee is a bit of self-medication. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I will drink it sweet. I will drink it bitter. <laughs> I will drink my coffee. <laughs> uh, I have like five different devices for making coffee at home. Uh, so, so yeah, I like coffee. Coffee's good stuff. Uh, I, I didn't notice Fowler actually having a mug though later in the episode. Yes. So it's possible he just sort of also. When he got up from that and was like, I need some coffee. That was like me every morning and I really sympathized. <laughs> like, and by morning, I mean around noon. Uh, but, but, uh, but yeah, I didn't actually notice him having anything. So maybe he went and searched for it and, uh, yeah, went searching for it and came up empty. Yeah, ratchet, which you, is a very, very sad. Ratchet, situation. do you have anything that's vaguely similar to coffee that I could drink without dying? <laughs> <laughs> Like, could you could you water down some transmission fluid? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh, espresso with a shot of nucleon. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no. He, proper coffee tastes like bitterness and self loathing. It's it's for when you hate yourself, but not quite enough to smoke. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Bulkhead gets at this uh, gets to this location, and it's not there. Which he and he also notes that it smells worse than a Decepticon barracks. <laughs> yes, it's. 
I mean, the place he's at is clearly, like, volcanic, because it's all yeah. black, you see, like, smoke coming out, so I assume that the smell he is referring to is sulfur. Yeah, all the classic all the classic signs of a volcano. You got sulfur, you got lava, you got Tommy Lee Jones, and Anne Hesh. <laughs> yes. Check, 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 check. Uh, you, you got the you got the, the 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 husband from Fargo melting in lava. <laughs> I saw both of those movies in the oh, theater. The Great Volcano, Dante's <laughs> Peak War of nineteen ninety seven. They, they both merged I together. In my, it was a mere precursor to the Great Asteroid Wars of nineteen ninety eight when Armageddon <laughs> faced off against yes. Deep Impact. Yes. Uh. I guess Armageddon was the better of those two. <laughs> like, oh, uh, I guess. I mean, of course, I had to see both because I didn't want to miss a thing. Ah, <laughs> uh, I regret starting off with music references now. Didn't want to close my eyes. Didn't want to fall asleep. <laughs> didn't want to fall asleep. Uh, oh, God. Oh. <laughs> Okay, we've gone from System of Down to one of the bands I hate the most. <laughs> anyway, so he, oh, he anyway, doesn't find anything there, volcanoes. but he does find Insecticons. He has a, he has a yes. big fight with Hardshell. He ends up punching one of his Predator mandibles off, yeah. which which lands in a way yeah. that it embeds it's itself in the ground. a lot of punching in this episode, which... So, this isn't, like, anything that's new to this episode or anything, but I'm still, like amazed and a little confused that the insecticons are so massive because massive is not a quality that one ever associates with insects yeah it it is kind of and unfortunately never got a suitably huge toy of these guys because they're really cool yeah little bitty legion well like because in g1 we got they were little guys because they were insects although they were still freaking huge for insects yes although they did have a swarm of itty bitty ones because it was g1 was ridiculous the cartoon yeah, in the cartoon they were just like average transformer sized, mm-hmm. and then in the comics they could mass displace. Yeah, but but like the, these guys are so big, and they seem to get bigger each time because, like, they're more way more massive than Bulkhead, or at least Hardshell is. I think he's slightly bigger than the others. Yeah, it's like two Bulkheads stacked on top of each other. Yeah, so built like a ridiculous <laughs> bodybuilder. So so Bulkhead figures out. But he's an itty insect. Yeah, he figures out that you know this this after he beats this insect gone, okay, this this lava must have carried the artifact as it floats. So I'm gonna drive after it. But unfortunately he's leaking energon because the uh the the insect gone really beat him up. And this episode mm-hmm. Bulkhead is just getting progressively more bashed around. <laughs> Yeah. But hey, he's like, it's like yeah. knockout previously, but less funny. Yeah, he's also, uh, you know, chatting uh, with Agent Fowler. Who, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of bonding because they're both kind of, you know, tough military guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but most of this episode is the Sisyphusian task of Bulkhead walking up and down a mountain while leaking. Yes. So he, uh, he. He finally finds the relic, cracks it open, and unfortunately, the uh, the meaning of the title becomes clear because it is Tox N, which is a an uh-huh. energy. Oh. What a no. terrible name for a thing! No, 
It's uh, it's a variant of Energon. We're kind of getting into like variants of Energon, like uh, like Kryptonite in the uh, Superman in the '60s Superman comics. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. The, the variance is interesting, but like, oh, the name Tox N. It's not Tox N. Yes. It's Tox Dash N. Yes. It's... Is it just a capital N or an E N? I think it's E N. Like Energon. Yeah. yeah. I had the. Is that official? Do we have that official somewhere? I think it's on the wiki. Yes. Place. And actually, I had the uh, the um, what's it called? The captions on. That's what they how they spelled it as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's, it's a short for it's just shortening toxic energon. We're called toxic uh, naming convention. I mean, I, I love this show for giving us the dingus, but a lot of the other naming conventions aren't <laughs> so entertaining. Yeah. So anyway, and again, it would be really helpful to have some part of this database tell you what you were getting into, so they could maybe given him I don't know a. a a lead case to put it in. Yeah. So, or at least this- if the decoding had given a like, okay, here's these four things. We don't know which one is which, but we know what they are. At the very least, this container that it's in should have a "do not open" label on it, or like a biohazard yeah, symbol. No, it really, it really it's should. It's just a basic like football with the ends mushed together. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's also wedged in the lava, so Bulkhead can't take it with him. Yeah, and it's stuck not on the, the surface, containment part, at least. Yeah, so he'll just have to take the toxin all by yeah, itself. So it is a toxic variation of energon. It is. I'm not sure if it's radioactive or poisonous or what exactly, but basically, if you hang around it long enough, you die. It's glowing green. I I get the impression that it's probably just poisonous. Yeah, it seems to have like fumes coming off it. Fashion. Yeah, it's like you get. Yeah, it's, it's definitely it's weird. Got fumes. That this fume thingy, I mean, okay, Energon is going to affect Transformers weird, but it seems to be a gaseous effect. We have so seen like they gases work on Transformers breathe? before, though. We have? That, uh, that's how really? Megatron's transformation virus was spread in uh, Beast Machines. What? Yes. Oh, it's been so long. Oh, yeah, I guess it was. Shit. <laughs> that was a long time. It ago. was. That was that show is um, almost twenty years old now. Oh, why'd you have to <clears throat> say it, man? Now I'm just gonna. I I have now had a heart attack. Go, go back to the show that's it's only too late. seven years old. Yes. So. Yes. So <clears throat> he is just gonna have to. You know, he can't take it back to the base. It's too dangerous. He's just gonna have to get to the top of this volcano and chuck it in like it's Mount Doom. He... <laughs> yep. I definitely had that thought. But he has no Samwise to help carry the weight. And even nope. if Miko was He's here, I got... think the rock is too big for her. She's just got Fowler to talk <clears throat> him through it. Yeah. So anyway, he takes off. Uh, the Insecticons get there slight, shortly afterwards. They open this thing up, and instead of the whole thing of Toxin, there's a little piece of it that Bulkhead is attached to a grenade, and it goes off, and this Insecticon just gets a bunch of this Toxan embedded in his throat. <coughs> Which It's like, pretty nasty. It, do, it is really nasty <coughs> and does kill him, but it's like, oh, hey, we got a sample. Let's pick these chunks out of the dead guy. Yeah, you'd think home. they would do that, but, well, they're Insecticons. They're not the sharpest. It, it'd be, okay, it'd so have been a nice if it, like, it had vaporized instead of leaving little chunks in him. Yeah, but the, the little chunks are very gross, which I appreciate. 
Like that is a a couple of points around here. At one point, I think Fowler says something about the lava, like destroying the container, and and Bulkhead is like, "It's been through interstellar space. I'm sure lava won't hurt it." I'm like, interstellar space is the opposite of lava. (laughs) I guess it did have to enter Earth's atmosphere, though. Yeah. Yeah, there would have been a also, does Bulkhead know that meanwhile Ratchet is macking on his boyfriend? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Jackie's like his ex-boyfriend he still talks to because they get along, but they're not as together anymore. It's kind of just, you know, they hook up when they're in town, but it's not a big, it's not a whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Nobody's got a ring. <laughs> I'm just saying. Want to be a gasket? <laughs> Something. Anyway, yeah, so, so, so as Bulkhead we were, is just meanwhile inc- back at the plot. Yeah, Bulkhead is just increasingly painfully dragging this rock up the volcano, and he's just getting sicker and weaker. And Fowler's just having to talk him through it. We get a we get a montage of all the stuff that uh, of all the times Bulkhead was hideously injured, which is a lot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, did they run out of? Is this like the the end of the Evangelion TV series where their budget was running out? So uh, they well, started. <laughs> I think it might be a like little. Start. Let, let's not get running out of their budget for this this like wrong impressions story of how anime budgets work. That's not entirely true. Although, admittedly, they did cut a lot of corners, but they were also planning committees for animes are very complicated it's not just oh we ran out of budget that's why this episode looks like shit but yeah this episode kind of does feel like well it's not so much that it ran out of budget it feels like oh the script wasn't long enough so let's put in a lot of flashbacks as if this is somehow a recap episode now for like a minute or two although yeah, it's mostly it, focused it upon becomes a clip episode for a little bulkhead bit. caring about miko and getting grievously injured and it's like Oh, the reason I got to carry on is is for my little human pet. What? I mean, okay, it motivates hey man, him, but it's just a lot. I love my cat. <laughs> I'm oh. just saying. Oh my god, Miko is a misbehaving little cat. That makes so much sense. Holy crap! Yeah. His his very attached and needy, but but misbehaving little cat. <laughs> Yeah, it does weird things. Also, we get to see Fowler call that military base that Optimus is near and tell them they need to evacuate because of a solar flare. Yeah. That Uh, sounds like reasons to me. I think he's just got like a big notebook full of BS excuses that he has to give reasons for evacuating. Well, wait, was, was that episode at the North Pole or the South Pole? Um... I think it was Antarctica because I'm pretty sure I made some f- jokes about the thing. Yeah, okay. Yes, so that and I makes made a joke about sense. being away from bears. Because, yeah. like, I mean, I, I guess you could assume, like, if it's the North Pole, like the the ozone layer is weak and the solar flares would mess with more shit, it may not be good. But at the South Pole, it's less I think it was problem. actually weak at both poles. It was. I think so. I thought it, I thought it was a lot worse at the North Pole, but I think it was still. I thought it was worse somewhere. at the South, actually. I think it was either. I'm pretty pole. sure it was weaker at the south. It's still it, it. That's a possible no prize explanation why they listened to that <laughs> ridiculous excuse. So anyway, this uh, you know they're t- also at some point bulkhead. We find out the bulkhead knows what a radio, what a rodeo clown is. 
What? Yes. I and Fowler says something to him about going to the uh, monster truck rallies. Monster truck rallies. Yes. Well, yeah, I guess he probably has watched monster truck rallies in a radio climate. It's, it's still odd. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so the the Insecticons find him. Previously, Bulkhead has led them with a false trail of Energon, but they have figured it out. And they've reached him, and there is a big fight, and uh, Bulkhead gets one with a grenade, and the other one, he's just, sh- well, I guess he's fighting hard-shelling, just he's sh- grinding this toxin into him, which makes you want, like, he's been holding it, and he's, like, not great. Yeah. But I yeah, guess it, if you, could, like, really push weird. it into a guy, maybe... It, it's weird, like... Maybe it's like, just showing how tough Bulkhead yeah. is. We should have, like, seen at least some effect on his hand that was carrying it, like, little green glowy lines or some shit was happening. Yeah. But it, it's just, like, anytime he smacks a Insecticon with it, yeah, it looks really bad, but it's like, you've been carrying that for what seems like half an hour or an hour, dude. Yeah. I mean, you, you look sick, well, you're green, so it's hard to tell how green you are, but... <laughs> it's hard to tell how sick you are. Yeah, so anyway, stop, he, but it, it is it is kind of nice that they're actually having a fight at the top of a volcano that's not entirely active, but it, there's a lot of shit going on. Yeah. But, oh, they can get away with it because they're robots. They're not humans who would instantly die from suffocation. <laughs> yes. Or yeah, burning. But, yeah, And it, it is having an effect on them because they are fighting like boxers in the 15th round. They are both punch drunk. They are tired. And there's like there's like a noticeable like they're very weary and one guy throws a punch and they both just kind of kind of have to catch their breath for a little bit before the next guy throws the punch. Mm-hmm. Well, they've been gassed. They've, they've oh my god, this is like an hour long wrestling match. Yes. <laughs> you threw all their good moves in the first five minutes, and it's just mm. been a lot of rest holds and audience fights, yep. crowd so. fights. So finally, Bulkhead eventually does, he is victorious. He chucks both the Toxin and the, and Hardshell into the volcano. Into Mount Doom! And, and yes. My and, precious! And we, yeah, he sees the Toxin melting and hopefully, you know, tossing this thing into a volcano doesn't cause like a giant poison eruption. <laughs> well, it's, it does seem like a deserted island. Yeah. Volcanic somewhere could be anywhere or it could just be a chunk of japan that they film tokusatsu fights in every once in a while of course before this Hardshell does yell your spark is mine like he's uh shang sung or something <laughs> <laughs> but uh at, you know bulkheads he's you know they've opened the bridge up he's heading back and the hard shell crawls out of there he is steaming from the joints like a lobster <laughs> Yes. And he just shoots Bulkhead in the back. And just as the last episode ended there, that's where this episode ends, and that's where the series ended for months. What? So he's dead. Yes. So yeah, it's like it, you had a cliffhanger, and then the next episode just shows you how they got to that cliffhanger, cliffhanger. but you're still in a cliffhanger at the same place, and that's not Fair. Yeah, this this aired this aired fair. May twenty sixth. The next episode did not air until August twenty fourth. Uh, oh wow! Oh. Wow, dick move, cool. I like that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that, that that I I like the ambition of that misdirection. Like, oh, we're gonna find out what happened to Bulkhead. Oh, we found out what happened to Bulkhead. He's still dying. <laughs> yeah. 
And then you have to wait six months for the rest of Well, not six months, but the, basically the months. whole summer. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's, that's a long time. And I mean, I. So he's dead. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this episode. And the, you know, the amount of flashbacks and focus we're getting on Bulkhead in this episode really made me think that they, maybe they were going to kill him. Yeah, kind of. No, Miko would I mean, be it, too sad. It did sad. seem like his code of. His cat would be too sad. It seemed like his code of hero. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, kind of. Well, I mean, if he'd it, been it, pr- trying to protect Miko, it would have made more sense. Yeah. Well, which I guess is why they throw the flashback into, oh, remember Miko? She likes Bulkhead. Yes. <coughs> but yeah, <they coughs> she cares about Bulkhead. Bumped him off and just brought Wheeljack in or some other random Autobot. Yeah, and so that is the episode, and that is kind of this half season, because there is a, there's a fairly significant break here, and then it's sort of a headlong rush into uh, the end of the season. So hey, that I I think it was a lot of fun having this little like four parter where everything's happening at the same time and you get bits of like what's happening elsewhere and stuff sort of teasing what else is going on that's going to be in the next episode and I I I really like the storytelling of of this little four episode. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah, they're they're good, but. I don't know. They, they each feel like less than the sum of their parts. Of course, that's probably because they overlap so much because they're all happening at the same time. I don't know. Individually, they're good episodes, but as a whole, it feels rushed. No, no, not rushed. Um, stretched out. Oh, decompressed storytelling. That's yes. Because like this episode is like half an episode if you take out the bits that already happened in other episodes and the recap. <laughs> So it was, we got some fun John DiMaggio, we got some fun Starscream, uh, we got some fun crack shipping, yep. uh, and then this episode we got punching. Lots yeah. of punching. And David King. It was fun. It's like, like Prime's Matrix Quest, with less Maltese Falcon. <laughs> oh, so Maltese true story, when I was in high school, I read Moby Dick, not because I had to, but because it was homaged in part of part of Matrix Quest. <laughs> because I was a huge nerd. <laughs> and I still am. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, you know, it's an enjoyable quartet of episodes. This is an exceptionally mean cliffhanger, and I appreciate that, especially now that it's in the past and I can <laughs> look back on the whole series. But at the time, it was quite maddening. Now that you know that Bulkhead survives. Yes. Uh, Bulkhead does not die at this time. <laughs> will Bulkhead live? Of who will survive? Next episode, yes, Bulkhead. Of course, hurt. he will. Hurt bad. What is the secret of the mysterious planet Earth? <laughs> yes. <laughs> there, I, I really appreciate the whole like who will survive tag thing for the original mobile suit Gundam when there's an it's like episode seven or eight, but it's like obvious from the the teaser that this this character named Garma is going to die and at the, oh, the end of the future it's like next episode, Garma's fate yeah. who will survive. It's like, well uh, not Garma <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 that was that was a real good one. Anyway. 
But Bulkhead no. lives. Spoilers. Yes. Bulkhead and, lives. and you, lucky listener, do not have to wait uh, several months to find out uh, what happens to Bulkhead or what we think of the next episode. But uh, you merely have to wait a single week. And during that week, while you're biding your time, you can, of course, find us on Twitter and on Facebook. And you can check in to see what bonus episode we've got up on our Patreon this month. Yep, we are hosted by IaconUnderground.net, where we do have a Patreon set up to help with hosting fees and other expenses. That is at Patreon.com slash IaconUnderground. Uh, this week or this month, uh, up for the month of March, we will absolutely be talking about Captain Marvel. I will be talking Jimmy. about how the only thing I know about Carol Danvers before she became Captain Marvel was that one fight she got into with Rogue. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, you'll be hearing way too much from me. <laughs> yes, who has? been reading you said you had been uh reading back up like 70s avengers stuff indeed i have like... well her her original solo oh, series is ms marvel oh good her solo series D- don't oh man D- don't read her in avengers at that point like the bad uh, the bad thing that we don't avengers talk about 200 anymore. don't talk about avengers 200. i'm not gonna talk about <laughs> nobody avengers talks about that 200 anymore. yes Unless you're very angry. <laughs> Most of what I'm familiar with for 70s Avengers stuff was the one uh, the one issue that I snagged while I was working at, at a used bookstore uh, where they, uh, I think they fight Red Ronin. Maybe they just hang mm-hmm. out with Red Ronin. I don't know. The point is, Giant the level. Avengers had a Godaiken. <laughs> so until next time, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I discovered I'm missing two albums of System of Down. I'm David. Oh no.